1: Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. Man, we got a great show lined up for you. No Cousin Shane, giving Cousin Shane the day off here. The man works hard. It's a Christmas holidays right around the corner. But this may be one of the best shows, one of the most unique shows we've ever done without Cousin Shane. We got my buddy Braden Gall in studio for a long interview here. We kind of touched on a lot of topics, some SEC, some kind of the business of just podcasting and, and where this is all going. So I think you guys will really appreciate it. Braden and I had some whiskey and <laughs> unfiltered discussion. So we'll get to that in a moment. We do have some. Relatively big news and notes around the SEC and a bowl game to quickly recap here. And I know I said I was going to try to do my best to do a live show right after the Las Vegas Bowl. But hell, considering the Florida Gators didn't even show up for the damn game, I figured why should I show up for a post-game show that nobody's going to watch because, my God, was that a stinker Saturday afternoon Florida, you know by now, dropped the Las Vegas Bowl thirty to three against Oregon State. Not a stunning loss by any means. I mean, hell, I picked them to lose the game, but I thought they'd be a lot more competitive than they actually were. I mean this <laughs> this was pathetic. And I'm not trying to pile on Billy Dapier, but we got pile on here for a second because they kicked a field goal with 37 seconds left in the game to keep their NCAA streak alive of scoring points. That dates back to 1988, 436 games. At least they got that going for you, but, uh... I mean, it was fourth and – I think it was like fourth and goal from the 25, so somewhat understandable. Basically, you're just throwing a Hail Mary or you're kicking a field goal to save some kind of face. You don't want to be the Florida coach that has that record snapped on you, so they would have held that against him all offseason, no doubt. So I kind of kid. It's kind of pathetic, though, that you're kicking a a field goal down 30 with 37 seconds left in the game, but that is where the Florida Gators were here. They now have a three-game – Bowl losing streak for the first time since the Ron Zook era, which unfortunately came from 2002 to 2004. They dropped all three of those bowls there, and Zook was shown the door. But going back to the game, God, was it ugly. And if you survived to the fourth quarter, man, you're either a diehard or you're just a sick, sick bastard like myself here. Florida had two yards. Count them, two in the second quarter, they had five yards in the third quarter. I mean, they were just putrid on offense. 33 rush attempts for the Gators, 39 rushing yards. A little over a yard per carry. Jack Miller, first game as the starting quarterback for the Florida Gators. Probably going to be his last. 13 of 22, 180. He just looked all out of sorts, basically from the initial snap of the game. I mean, he was inconsistent, inaccurate, and it's not like he didn't have a month to prepare for this. Well, a month, that's unfair to Jack Miller. I mean, they they basically had a a week and a half, (laughs) 13 days, something like that. So nearly two weeks to prepare. But, again, penalties killed the Florida Gators. This is something that Billy Napier was going to harp on all offseason. we got to get these. This has been haunting the Gators for damn near decades. 11 penalties, 82 yards. Nine offensive drives, four were three and outs. Just awful, awful football. ETN and Johnson, our two stud running backs, each had 14 yards on the ground apiece. Just a no-show by the offense. And Billy Napier, now he's got a losing record as a head coach of the Florida Gators. The worst debut record for a Florida coach since... Dating back to the 70s, I saw a coach there went uh, 0-10 his first year. But this is the worst debut since that time. But that's the negative. (laughs) I mean, mean, it was all negative on Saturday. But that don't mean I'm selling all my stock in Napier. I hear it. Sunbelt, Billy, all this, blah, 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 blah. I get it. For the Florida haters out there, they love to... I never got I don't understand the Sunbelt Billy like why you call him that because he dominated the Sunbelt. I mean most coaches dominate at a lower level and they move up. Nick Saban started in the MAC. Brian Kelly started in Division 2 before he got his MAC job. I mean this it's a natural progression for a coach to go from a lower level to the SEC, but I digress. Urban Meyer, another one. He was at Bowling Green, they didn't call him Mac Urban or anything. I don't, I don't know. thats I just think that's so stupid to, to say. But we'll play a little bit of his comments here. You know, they're kind of boring like he always is. But who cares what he says in the press conferences. It's the future of the program. Recruiting is doing well. But I think when we sit here and we look back at the debut season, disappointing season, no doubt started, By beating Utah, those of us that were hyping up the Gators, we are on cloud nine. I know a lot of Gator fans were as well. But I think the main takeaway, aside from being left with a roster devoid of talent, thank you very much, Dan Mullen, for all the criticism that Anthony Richardson got, we saw here on Saturday what this team is without that guy. Now, that's not to say he didn't have some duds like uh, the Kentucky game certainly comes to mind. He had a horrible performance, and, of course, they lost it. But without Anthony Richardson, they basically had nothing. And I know Osiris Torrance was out. He opted out. That was huge. The list of opt-outs was huge. Ventro Miller, heart of the defense didn't play, Justin Shorter. I mean, Florida basically all season had one receiver. It was Ricky Pursall or it was Justin Shorter, and they both got banged up during the season. So – This cannot go on, no doubt, if you're Billy Napier. And, again, we've we've hit on it, three SEC home games next season. You open the season at Utah. I don't know how good Utah is going to be, but, hell, they've been pretty good for damn near a decade here. It's it's going to be a tricky game. Going to have to bounce back in year two before I start hitting the panic button down there in Gainesville. But it all goes back to Anthony Richardson when he was a, human highlight reel at times incredible incredible athlete didn't have it all together as a passer but this is basically the same thing we were saying in the preseason this team is going to go far as far as anthony richardson can take them and at times brilliance at times terribly inconsistent and without him, just awful so Obviously, he's not coming back. He's off to the NFL. So, we have to find that identity. Is it going to be the ground and pound with Johnson and ETN? Losing some of our best linemen. The the offensive line looked somewhat like a train wreck against the Oregon State Beavers. We'll see how that's addressed. But, uh, yeah, sour taste left in the mouth of the Florida Gators, no doubt. This was uh, one of the worst Florida bowl performances I can remember going – well, Dan Mullen got destroyed by Oklahoma in the bowl game, so that you could chalk that one up too. But too many of these in recent history for the Florida Gators. Billy Napier's got to turn that around, got to stop getting these embarrassing performances, and we'll see. Again, I'm not judging them on this season. Not a great season. You lost to essentially everyone of significance, anybody you want to beat as a Florida fan you lost to, all the rivals. Hell, you even lost to Vanderbilt. So, Again, if you want to judge him and say it's a failing grade, I get it. But dealt a tough deck of cards. And right now, with the recruiting, I'm still in on him. But next season, I think next season, uh, it's crazy to say, but that's where we are at the SEC. Two seasons, if you're terrible after two seasons, we may be cutting the cord on the Billy Napier era. But again, we're far, far, far too early be really having that conversation. From today,
2: right? I think that's the key, right? It's fuel for the fire. Uh, Obviously, it causes you to evaluate a lot of different things. Uh, But hats off to Oregon State. Uh, They won the game today. Uh, No question about that. So, what questions do we have here? I think today's probably an outlier to some degree, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, I think that you know, we, we we had some momentum there. We had some missed opportunities, in particular late in the year. You know, we and I think that's what we got to learn from is that experience. We're in position there after A&M, Carolina. You know, what did we learn, right, going to Nashville to play? What did we learn going to Tallahassee to play, right? Um, and then certainly a quick turnaround to play the bowl game. So, um, you know, I see opportunity. You know, I see a group. You know, what I'm observing in there, uh, I think, is a positive for the Gators, you know. But the key is that we learn We learn from these experiences, right? We, we've got to not only the players but also uh, all parts of our organization. You know, in year one, uh, there's a lot of work been done, you know, since day one to right now. So, um we're fortunate in that we're going to get a little bit of a break here. We'll turn the page, and we'll come back and work harder than ever. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do believe that. Um, sometimes I think the result, you know, doesn't necessarily show the maybe the growth we've observed. You know, I think the dynamic within our team, within our locker room, where we started to where we're at today, right? The connection there, the relationship piece, um, you know, I think our issues – on the field, have been execution specific. I do think that they're always working on the culture part, but I do think we made a ton of progress in that area. I mean, just what I observed in that locker room compared to maybe some of the things that we observed when we first got here is completely different ball club.
1: Now, on the complete other end of the spectrum, great news here for Alabama going into the Sugar Bowl as Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both suiting up for the Crimson Tide. I, I kind of Thought this was coming on a recent episode. Me and Steven Lassen going back and forth on this one. Shout out Steven. He is the man, but he missed this one because Nick Saban's Crimson Tide program, they're not going to lie down for anybody. I know they didn't get to the college football playoff, didn't even make the SEC championship. Those are the goals every year in Tuscaloosa. But Bryce Young, Will Anderson, they love being college football players. They're going to suit up one more time. Let's kick it over to Nick Saban. I thought some great words of wisdom from Coach Saban and also what this means for the rest of the team, not only this season, but perhaps in seasons to come
3: for the Crimson Tide. You know, it's kind of interesting that, um, you know, people opt out of playing, you know, for their team. And, you know, the way you create value for yourself is to play football. that that is the best way you can create value for your future. And when you do that against good competition, I think that creates value for your future. You know, I hear guys all the time say, I'm gonna get ready for the NFL. Well, what do you mean? You getting ready for the combine? A lot of the things you do at the combine are not even relevant to what you do on the football field. So, um, you know, every time you have an opportunity to compete if you're a great competitor, and I think these two guys are great competitors, and you know that's why they wanted to play, and um, that they they want to try to create, continue to create value for themselves, be good teammates, uh, help their teammates play, you know, well in the game, and that may sound old-fashioned in a lot of ways, but I I sort of respect that.
0: Yeah, on Bryson, Will, and everybody else playing, what does it mean to you as their coach that you some of your biggest leaders want to you know finish out the season, and as a as a sport, what do you think it means for college football for some of the biggest players to stay and play the bowl game?
3: Well, I think it sets a great example for. You know, guys that you know, respect their teammates, want to be a part of their team, um, know the impact that they can make, the value that they can make, um, that they can create for themselves by playing well against good competition. So um, I, I'm, I'm extremely proud of these guys. Um, we're gonna support them in every way that we can. Uh, as an institution, we've minimized the risk of them playing in the game by ensuring them the best that we possibly can. Uh, So that we're, you know, they're not taking a big risk uh, by playing as as much as you can taking the risk out of it for them. And um, I can't tell you how much I respect them as competitors, guys that have been great teammates on this team, the leadership that they have given and showing, and I think the leadership that they continue to show by playing this game.
1: I just love that message. You create value by proving it on the football field. And certainly you can make the case Bryce Young, Will Anderson. They got nothing left to prove. But, you know, maybe it's not all about themselves. It's about the team. The team still got a lot to prove, and the team is not whole without Bryce Young, without Will Anderson. I just love this. And this is something Brayden and I kind of go back and forth on, so we'll get to that in just a second. Arkansas, big news, some good, some bad. Jalen Catalan, star safety, in the transfer portal, will not be returning to Arkansas. That's a blow, but hell, the guy couldn't stay healthy, as all Razorback fans know, so, I mean, you're kind of without him anyway, but he has got all-American potential for anybody that lands him. Sounds like Half the SEC is already trying to get Jalen Catalan to come to their program. Gives you an indication, if you didn't know already, what an outstanding player he is. He may be the top defender in the transfer portal. Again, If staying injury-free is critical for him because he's, he's not been able to do it more often than not. I think he's got essentially three season-ending injuries in his uh, four seasons as a college football player. But, man, when he's out there, he's a menace. He's a damn menace back here, so I I wish him well. But the good news, kind (laughs) of, defensive coordinator search is over. Travis Williams, former Central Florida defensive coordinator there under Gus Malzahn, former Auburn linebacker coach. I don't think they've officially announced this yet, but basically every outlet is saying Travis Williams, the new defensive coordinator for your Arkansas Razorbacks. And I'll give you the good news here. This guy's going to kill it for you on the recruiting trail. When he was at Auburn, he was one of the most popular assistant coaches in the SEC. And I don't follow Central Florida, but you know, just doing a little research on his time there, that has obviously continued. He's never been a defensive coordinator before. He was a defensive coordinator under Gus at Central Florida. The defense, you know, fairly average. I think is is a right word. I'm going to have. Some people on that actually know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to coordinator grades and things of that nature for these hires that are coming from outside the SEC. So we will certainly discuss Travis Williams and how that fits as a play caller coming to Arkansas. I have to you know, admit, while I think he'll be one of the best recruiters, if not the best recruiter on Sam Pittman's staff, this is a gamble. When you talk about Barry Odom, Experience, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country to Travis Williams. Again, I'm not saying he's terrible, but a guy with two years experience, somewhat mixed results. This is a gamble. But what we also always say on this show, if you've been listening, you know, players matter more than coaching. Travis Williams will upgrade your roster. So this is going to be an interesting one. But uh, if recruiting was what Sam Pittman was after, he nailed it with the hiring of Travis Williams as his defensive coordinator. Now, real quick here, these are kind of related. Auburn, real quick, they were set to host Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina transfer quarterback, did not get him over the weekend. Why? You say, oh, God, this is the guy that Stephen Lassen kind of said. He didn't say, I said. But what, what he had to say about Grayson McCall, who has got like 8,000 yards, 80 touchdowns, Eight interceptions in, in three seasons as Coastal Carolina starting quarterback. Sounds a hell of a lot like Hendon Hooker. So I'd love to have him on my team, but who Stevens got number one as his transfer portal quarterback? Devin Leary visited Auburn over the weekend. This comes after visiting Kentucky. I know there's some momentum there for the Wildcats. Think they're they got it in good with Devin Leary, former NC State quarterback. Many have him pegged as the top transfer portal quarterback. We got got us a little bidding war. <laughs> I assume no inside info, but again, these big time transfer portals—that's what's driving this. Auburn, Kentucky, Missouri. I don't think he's visited Missouri, but Missouri fans are convinced Drake coached him ten years ago, so he's he's going to Missouri. We'll find out. But Devin Leary, a hot commodity here. Visiting Auburn. I think that's huge. Oh, well, clearly Hugh Free's trying to upgrade that quarterback room. We'll see what happens. But speaking of Kentucky, last thing here, Kenyatta Goodwin. Five star offensive lineman, the highest rated signee for Kentucky in, in over a decade. Remember all that drama this time a year ago? Michigan State, Kentucky, back and forth and back and forth. Well, he's already gone after a year. Played eleven games. I don't believe he had one start, but this is a blow. I mean, I saw a lot of Kentucky fans rationalizing, hell, our offensive line was terrible. This guy couldn't get on the field. Not a loss. Well, offensive line is a the biggest developmental position on the football field. And if you want to run off one of the best, most promising offensive linemen on your roster, by all means, Because I guarantee you, Kenyatta Goodwin is going to go to a Power 5 team here. And he's going to be a player down the line, if I had to imagine. So, big blow for Kentucky. Losing the most highly touted prospect they've signed in under Mark Stoops. And according to 24-7 Sports, the number three ranked prospect to ever sign with Kentucky. So, that's a blow. But, hey, that's the bad news. The good news, Graham Mertz, quarterback from Wisconsin, has visited the fact that he's visiting after Devin Leary, I don't know. I don't know if that tells you anything. Maybe they're less confident on Devin Leary. Maybe he's just a backup plan. I don't know. Mertz come down there getting the vision for the program. But uh, certainly Kentucky is going to add a quarterback. Now we just wait to see who that's going to be. And we're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Shane. Head on over to prizepix.com, daily fantasy sports what we love about Prize Picks—they got college football selections. I was on a heater, but damn, Will Levis and A&M. Now I'm on a, you can fade my Prize yeah. Picks selections here, Shade. Oh my God, I'm I'm crashing and burning. But go on over to PrizePicks.com, they'll match your initial deposit up to hundred bucks using that promo code SEC. Again, you can find a link to this in the show notes, but that's prizepicks.com promo sec. They'll match your initial deposit up to a hundred bucks. So you can play play some daily fantasy sports with us. They got all the professional leagues, not just college football. So whatever sport you're into, even UFC, things like that, they got you covered at PrizePicks.com. But all right, hey. Went a little bit longer than I expected there. Let's get to this interview with Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, 440 Sports, all over the place here with Braden. I hope you guys really appreciate this uh, interesting interview that uh, I, I sure had a fun time recording with Braden. Braden Gall, thanks for coming in, man. Oh, we're rolling already, huh? All right. <laughs> Just get right into it, man. No, no need to. We've been BSing here for about 10, 15 minutes, so we're cutting short for time. Cheers. Appreciate you coming in. This is yeah, the man. first time I've drank hard liquor in this studio, but we, we've done beer many a time. Soft
0: liquor, yeah. Yeah. So how's it going? It's 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 good, man. Um, season always slows down. I appreciate that. Like I I get to actually take a chance to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Come in here, hang out with you, have a, have a, have a glass, <laughs> have a sip, and um, holiday seasons around the corner. So um, been good. How about you? Yeah, it's going well, man. And
1: like you said. I love what I do. It's not even a job, really, (laughs) but I needed a slight break.
0: You know what I mean? Dude, it's funny because, like, I wonder how teams address this stuff, you know? Because it's funny. I always get to, like, middle of October, and the the excitement of the beginning of the season has worn off, right? You get so jacked up for, like, media days and, like, camps opening up and quarterback battles and all this fun stuff, new coaches. And then you you reach a – there's a grind point in the middle of the season where you're not close enough to championship Saturday in the playoff. But the, but the initial fun has worn off, you know, like the the adrenaline. And that's I, – I wonder how teams handle that. Like that just in general, like I'm assuming the best coaches have to work extra hard to get teams through, you know, like the last three weeks of October so that they can then say, look, we're three wins away from X or a bowl game or winning a division or, or whatever. And I feel the same way as a media member. <laughs> you know, think about us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like People need to worry about us. Here. No, Well,
1: let me ask you that. Do you think that's why there's – not the sole reason, but you think that is a reason? There's so many bowl opt-outs. Like players are just like, why the hell do I want to go to? Because I'm I'm surprised we even got it in like the Orange Bowl for Tennessee players. And You're I'm... surprised
0: people are opting out. Yes. Why?
1: Because Tennessee. I mean, you know as well as anybody. I mean, it's been a decade plus of dismay. This is one of the biggest games most of these players will ever play in their life. I mean, I mean, and... I would ask
0: why. Like, why would Jalen Hyatt? And why would Jalen Hyatt, like, hit the most important moment? the of, best bowl game he's ever played was a Music City Bowl. Well, but what does a bowl game really mean? to Like, it's not 1975, you know, when the Sugar Bowl was like one of six bowls. And if you got there— You don't it, think
1: there's something to winning 11 games at Tennessee? Oh, sure. That hasn't won—when's the last time they won sure, 11 games? Sure,
0: but I don't think you and I can be upset about it if his teammates don't care. You I'm know? not upset,
1: so. but I'm just wondering. It just—I its I guess it's just surprising. Like, I
0: get it at— I, I'm not surprised. If you have NFL upside— Right. Like, you could be right now working on – Now, I'll give him credit because he's actually going to be with the team, right? Uh-huh. Um, like, right now, he could be in Arizona working with a receiver specialist training for the combine, mm-hmm. which is, like, eight weeks away, which is the most important moment of his entire life. Right. From a, from a financial future standpoint. And so it's not a surprise at all that you want to take a knee injury off the table. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't think that – like, that that weighing that to 10 wins versus 11 wins or an Orange Bowl win for Jalen Hyatt in his life, I just don't think it's – and and again his teammates don't care at all like Joey Joey Bosa famously sat out the entire season like he got injured yeah. in like week 2 and he sat out the whole season and the most support he got was from his Ohio State teammates so gms don't care uh i don't i kind of find it interesting that and i'm not saying you're doing this i find it interesting that we're still having the conversation that that fan tennessee fans are like well how could you how could you quit on your team and i'm like the team doesn't think that. <laughs> like the team doesn't <laughs> give a shit. Sorry, can we cuss? <laughs> oh yeah, it's completely <laughs> unedited. That's what I thought. But like the team doesn't care at all. So you can't be more offended than than the teammate is, and the teammate is supportive of Jalen Hyatt. So Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, they sat out. G- they both went top ten in the draft. Uh, David Ajabo from Michigan last year uh, injured his knee in pre- warming uh, in in the combine, and it cost him right. hundreds of thousands of dollars in the draft. So I don't blame people for choosing their own financial best interests and minimizing risk at the most important part of their entire lives, I just don't.
1: Now, let me ask you this. a little slightly different, but it's also another opt-out, but it's really just going pro and and, and focusing on that. But what do you think, what do you make of Anthony Richardson going pro and not playing, again, I guess, you can make the same argument, Las Vegas Bowl, who cares? Uh, Especially you
0: know, with no no other players on the Florida team playing in the game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> like, <laughs> but w- what what do you think about him actually making that decision to not, – not to miss the game, but to go pro because, I mean, how many games of film does he have?
0: To- not a lot. And yeah. and not a lot of training in what the NFL offenses are going to ask him to do. Yeah. Like, how do you beat him? You beat him this year when, when they were playing in, against – high-level competition, Yeah, the way you beat him is just keep him in the pocket and make him throw, make him work through his progressions and try to pinpoint the guys in the pocket. Because once he gets out of the pocket, you know, everybody saw what he could do in the Utah game, the Tennessee game. Like, his athletic ability is so captivating for NFL people. It's obvious. I mean, I don't think you don't, you don't even need to be a scout to see the talent. Right. Like the talent's there. I think he's going to have a very difficult time adjusting to NFL defenses. And it's going to take – I think you, if you're going to draft him – in the first round, let's say, you better be willing to to train him for two years. Like maybe have him sit for a couple of years. Like I think if I don't think you can expect anything from Richardson to start right away. Like I just don't think he's. Yeah. I don't think the 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 game awareness and the processing and the understanding of coverages. I don't think it's there yet. I think he gets there, but you draft him because he's 6'4", 240 pounds, and runs a four <laughs> right, four. Right, like He's a freak in nature athletically.
1: I was a little surprised he didn't uh not only up not that he opted out but th- I thought he would enter the portal and see what are these NIL offers out here I mean I realize NFL that's an interesting is a lot more but I don't know that he's guaranteed to be a first round pick I don't even know if he's guaranteed to be a second round pick I assume he is but I would have tested both waters so to speak if that makes sense
0: I, I that's a good strategy and I do think it's an interesting one if you I think if you're clearly not a draftable player or like a sixth or seventh round fringe draft pick like what would he do in Josh Heupel's offense He'd be pretty good. Um, again, <laughs> I, the accuracy yeah, is a question. Yeah. Um, I, that's why I think Joe Milton isn't very good and and has never been good. And I took my I took my six year old to her first ever SEC football game, and the reason she got to see so many big touchdowns is because Tennessee ran the ball against Vanderbilt, <laughs> <laughs> not because because Joe Milton missed other than the first pass to Jalen Hyatt, like on the first play. Yeah. I think he missed, like, 37 open receivers after that. So I actually think the name I really love for Heupel's offense is DJ Uyunglele from Clemson. Who's oh, in the, really? He's in the portal. I yeah. think he would run that offense really well. Just deep shots, physical, run the football. I, you know, I, he could be a really nice piece in there, and I think he would be an improvement. He's not
1: just another Joe Milton. I haven't seen much of him. I think he's, better. Them, I think he's better
0: than Joe Milton. I think he's more accurate. That's yeah. all. Okay. Again, Milton is a great everything, He, j- but you have to be able to throw the football yeah. to your teammates. Yeah. <laughs> at some point uh but Richardson I think like I've talked to some scouts and um I'll I'll reach down and pick up this name here but I was talking to Mel Kiper about it and he has I was like how is it how has this season changed your board how has it affected who you like and who you don't like and he's like I came into this season with CJ Stroud number one I'm leaving with Will Levis at number one overall and I was like really uh, and he goes, and I think Anthony Richardson's going to fly up boards. I've got him at number three behind Stroud. And I was like, Wow! He's like, who, he goes, Brandon, who would you take? And I go, Bryce Young, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Young. I've stood next to him, and I know Bryce is like, I'm not a small person. I, he's I, tiny. I, 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 Bryce is a small, dude, but the things he does, nobody else can do. Yeah. Uh, so I would take Bryce number one, but I, I think Richardson. Every you know this stuff. Every NFL scout thinks they can fix everything. Mm-hmm. That's why you draft Maurice Clarett you know and then you, cuz you think you can fix it and sure enough he ends up drinking vodka on the practice field you, you, <laughs> you these coaches are so Is that bad? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> out of a water bottle. <laughs> um it, it's funny it's just like you're going to see Anthony Richardson's specs and you're going to see the tape and it's not going to match in your head as a scout yeah. but it doesn't matter because they they again <laughs> the number 1 pick last year was like the fifth or sixth best defensive player on Georgia's team. <laughs> yeah, so it's all about this freakish athletic stuff, um, and they fall in love with it. They think they can fix the other stuff, and I think Anthony Richardson is a. I think he's a first round pick. I think he's a late first round pick. Uh, somebody will take a chance on the on the talent, and if that's where you're at on boards, and that's what scouts are telling you, and NFL people are telling you, and agents are telling you, then you got to go pro. Right. You got you got to go pro because even even the best NIL deals are not close to first round money. Right, right, and starting your clock as soon as possible to to make real life altering revenue, which again is why you sit out a bowl game. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, we already went off the rails from what I was (laughs) planning on
0: going.
1: You can attest to, yeah, that, and also I got no notes, so I I don't like notes when we're doing in person. No, man, I
0: think it's rude. That's the best way to go.
1: But I want to ask you because, to my knowledge. This is basically like the only real job you've ever had is, is like media stuff. I could be wrong,
0: but yeah, no, yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what's re- like you like you said earlier? Like, what's a real job? Like, I don't.
1: Right, right. So I, I'm just curious your your background for those that don't know. I mean, every, everybody knows you from ESPN Radio and Athlon Sports and now 440 Sports. Uh, I, I was just wondering if you could. You know, share your story a little bit. Sure. And, and how you got into all that. And then, like, I
0: don't know why anyone would care. Like I'm,
1: I said, you're you're not <laughs> that old, yet it seems like you've been doing this for like 30 <laughs> years. I'm like, how's that happening? <laughs>
0: uh, I am 40. I'm a man. Uh, I can say that. I'm a man. I'm 40. Um, come at me. <laughs> uh, I, so it started, uh, I, I worked at a rock and roll station in college. I went to the University of Tennessee. And uh, literally, uh, I was working at a rock and roll station one night. And they were changing the hip-hop station to a sports format, to the sports animal. And they literally were switching overnight from a hip-hop station to a sports station. And the program director, Mickey Deerstone, if you listen to Ball's, Lady, Lady Balls basketball or, or know anything about Tennessee athletics, he was my boss at the time, and he just goes, hey, do you want to – I'd been there for about six, eight months, kind of pre-graduation, and then after graduation. I, he goes, you want to work on a sports channel? I was like, hell Yeah. So I started producing the midday show, Um, I think. So you you, started the sports animal. I started, technically I started, Josh Ward uh, taught me literally everything I know about radio. And he was like a 19-year-old kid who was teaching a graduate (laughs) about how to do, like run a board and, you know, set up remotes and all this other goofy stuff. I had so much fun on the rock side of things because I was doing... I'm a huge music fan. Yeah. And so I was doing a lot of really cool stuff with like music that I never thought I was like introducing a band in front of a club show at Blue Cats in the Old City. Like yeah. that's a deep cut for those of you who know Knoxville. Yeah. And and then get, getting the chance to work in sports, I just was like, all right. So for 2 weeks I did this show, Midday Production. Brent Hubbs fills in. Oh well. He's driving down to Rivals for uh the the, the rivals.com national convention. He takes my resume down on a Friday. Gives it to the head of Rivals Radio at the time, which had launched like four months earlier in Nashville. I got a call on Monday. I drove down on Tuesday to interview. They offered me the job, and I said yes without even thinking for like twenty grand a year in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is a very expensive place to live. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. Did not even contemplate the information. Uh, Had you lived in Nashville before? I went to high school in Nashville. Okay. Uh, So I, I was... And I, I, at the time, I was dating somebody who was moving back, so I was looking to get back to Nashville. Gotcha. But the idea of starting on as a producer for the only national college sports talk show in the history of this country, and working at Rivals.com headquarters was just like, I was like, oh, like I, <laughs> yeah. like I was like, this is um, this is incredible. I'm gonna. Now I had to get up at four in the morning, and we were on the air at six a.m. and right. I, like, but I, it was a three-hour. It felt like a three-hour graduate class in college football because it's all we did was talk recruiting and coaching and games and players, and I, I I was in heaven, and so I just learned, I just soaked it all in. So would you consider that you got lucky, or I guess, or were sure. you just
1: were you just that good right out the gate? Or I mean,
0: I wasn't. I again, I didn't like if they wanted to hire between me and Josh Ward a better producer. Josh Ward was a better producer, so it wasn't. I, I mean, I'm almost everything I've learned is sort of self-taught in the radio business. Um, and I'm willing. I, look, I, I work extremely hard. Yeah. I'm not going to back down on that. You, you got like
1: 20 jobs. Everybody
0: may work as hard as me, but no one works harder. Um, <laughs> I, I joke all the time, but I just, right place, right time. Brent Hubbs is a great ally to have, sort of saying, hey, look, I got this this kid who's going to work real hard, who knows sports. Yeah. And I had known recruiting a little bit before then because, again, I was a huge sports nerd growing up. I'd lived in Texas and Georgia and moved around and just huge college. My first college football game I was like five at TCU my second one was like Georgia Tech in Atlanta then I went to Longhorn games in Texas like I just grew up going to college football games all across the country and so it was sort of like this natural like weird situation so I started rivals.com we we go from 10 hours a week two hours a day to like 30 hours a week Sirius and XM merge my favorite moment is coach coach Orgeron coming into the office with Hugh Freeze wearing matching leather jackets with embroidered this is when Miss. Hugh was working
1: under Coach
0: o? Hugh, this is Cocho had just gotten the Ole Miss job, and uh-huh. they show up at the Rivals.com office, and me and my me and my other like twenty four year old buddies are like, "What the hell is happening? Why is Coach o walking through our office?" And his lap dog, Hugh Freeze, is walking right next to him, not saying a word to anybody, like walking yeah. a step behind him, wearing matching again the, my favorite part, matching leather jackets that have Ole Miss embroidered <laughs> on the chest, and they're just like walking through the office, getting to know because Coach O is obsessed with recruiting rankings and right. We got him to do some, like, liners and some reads. He couldn't do any of them right. Like, it was so much fun. I wrote it down in, like, size 12 font, or size, like, 25 font on a piece of paper, like, double spaced so that he could read it. And he's like, you're listening to Rivals Radio on Cyrus123. And you're like, it's serious, coach. Uh, and it's 123, but whatever. It's not important. And we ran that promo, like, 100 million times because it was wrong. Right, <laughs> so we, right, right. We thought, we thought it was the funniest shit in the world. Um Sp- speak
1: of, I hate to off And cut then you I moved off.
0: to Athlon in 07 and after that it's it's a it's you know, rest is history. So
1: just to, to go along with that though, real quick, did you ever read the book, The Blind Side? I yeah, know oh, yeah. everybody's seen the movie. And Michael Lewis
0: is one of my favorite authors it's of all time. Very different than the movie. The book's way better than the, the movie.
1: But I thought it was interesting. So apparently Hugh Freeze had cut deals to join Tennessee staff, Philip Fulmer, and he was steering Michael Orr to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he didn't want to go to Tennessee, obviously. So he went to Ole Miss, and the story is Hugh Freeze flew down to wherever Coach O was at and, and basically pitched, "You want to get the most out of this kid, you yep. got to hire me." So it, it kind of goes funny <laughs> you with your
0: story. <laughs> well, and my favorite part of the Righteous Gemstones Baby Billy performance that Hugh put on uh, <laughs> at the press conference. <laughs> Uh, I just don't believe anything he says. What was was the shout out to the Tuies who were there in person? <laughs> I mean, aside from crying about golfing with media members or whatever, like there's a lot of garbage there. But like he, when he's like, "Oh, they're the Tuies over there, my best friends," and I'm like, "Man, that's a deep cut," uh, especially considering what we know about what you did at Briarcrest <laughs> in Memphis. They are apparently responsible
1: so. as well. Uh, I can't remember if it was getting Saban to Alabama or getting Saban to LSU, but they were. They provided the plane and it,
0: like that that family. I yeah. don't know much about them aside from the movie and the book. If they got Saban to to Bama or LSU, then they hurt themselves. <laughs> right, that's why I did, it didn't make sense. <laughs> no, to I don't me. think it was. But I, I think they liked the power. or Something like they may, like, maybe. like they
1: provided the transportation that you couldn't track. I don't it was think some story like that.
0: I don't. I I, I also just read uh, just read Talty's book. Um, John, I, haven't, I haven't read John that. Tality it's it's about pretty the, good. The leadership secrets of Nick Saban. It's it's interesting. I think it's there's a lot of anter- a- anecdotes in there about like how Steve Sarkeesian was going to be the head coach in waiting at Alabama. Um, lots of really interesting stuff. But but a big part of it is Saban's move from Michigan State to LSU and sort of how. Each time he moved, he grew and changed and evolved, and so now we're off on a different topic here, but but it's really interesting to read how he gets to LSU and how LSU wanted him and didn't want him and yeah. didn't know what to expect. Again, we talk about Brian Kelly not being a cultural fit, which I don't think matters at all. Nick Saban wasn't a cultural fit at LSU. He was a damn good football coach. And right. That's all they needed, and they finally, LSU finally kind of figured it out. Kind of like Clemson, they figured out investment, they figured out. Whole, this holistic approach to elevating everything in the program financially Saban then just took it and ran and of course unfortunately while I was in college uh <laughs> with a backup quarterback upsets the O one one team in the SEC <laughs> yeah. championship game for Tennessee and uh the rest as they say for Nick Saban is history but um I don't know what your first question was
1: <laughs> what wait, let me ask you this you, do you have a uh of Hugh Freeze any like favorite story that you're willing to share uh, uh favorite uh none of them
0: are good um or maybe most, I don't know, just, just the best story, you know? Uh, I mean, I've... Hugh is famous for name searching and DM sliding. Yep. Um, maybe my claim to fame is that I've gotten a few of those. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, almost all of them exclusively after positive tweets. Like, I think these are the top ten candidates for XYZ job. Hey, thanks for mentioning me. Appreciate it. Let's talk, blah, 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 blah. And, like, he just... It's, it's this constant... Everything you know about him from the local reporters is almost all true i think he's i think he's creepy i think he's weird i don't think he's a criminal i don't think he should go to prison but i think there's a bit i think there's a difference between like being having a leadership role as the most important and influential and highest paid person on a campus full of women who are going to experience to in some way shape or form something salty ish Right, right, And, like, that happens on every campus. It's not an Auburn problem. It's just a problem on every campus regardless of, of where you are. And having him, who clearly has 20 years of questionable behavior in and around this subject, I mean, again, he's making eighth-grade girls change, you know, without any witnesses, take their shirts off in front of him. Right. He's paddling girls in middle school and high school in 1999 as a grown adult with no witnesses. <laughs> like, it's just the weirdest shit. And so for then— twenty years later to be sliding up into DMs of assault victims, it's clear that the behavior has not changed and that he's just he desperately wants everyone to like him. And I understand that sentiment. It doesn't mean you you can there's certain lines you can't cross that kind of again, it's not criminal, it's just creepy and weird. Yeah. And I don't I think there's a there's a gap between going to prison and being the head coach at Auburn to make nine million dollars a year as the most powerful person in a leadership role where you've clearly indicated that you don't have that skill in this department of, of keeping women safe on campus. So, again, I, I'm not saying Auburn should or shouldn't do it. I'm saying Auburn should own it because I know what Hugh Freeze has done and how he's acted and how he treats people and what he cares about. And that whole thing, that whole press conference, I'm not sure I believe a word he said. Like, I just it's just my personal opinion. Right. right. You know, if you don't like it, fine. I think he's a solid coach. I think the bigger question about Hugh Freeze is, like, is he actually good enough? I don't think he's. I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to win nine games. But like, Gus Malzon beat Nick Saban, right? Three it, times. He beat uh, beat Nick Georgia Saban Georgia a couple times. Beat Georgia a couple times. Uh, an SEC championship Georgia. Like pulverized them that year <laughs> in 2017. Uh, like runs the same system. Doesn't have any baggage. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just hired a worse version of Gus Malzahn <laughs> to replace Gus Malzahn, and then you spent $30 million in the process to do it. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. Like, that same team that beat Alabama, which took five turnovers inside their own 40-yard line to do that, lost to Memphis. Well, I think the funniest thing Arkansas. is the people that made that decision, they
1: were the people that run off Gus. So it was. it's kind of like an omission yeah. to they uh, fucked up.
0: And they've wanted Hughes to, since he got let like, go from Ole Miss. And, yeah. and if you notice, I didn't say one thing about escorts, about paying players. About university cell phones. Don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Like, it, I thought it, he was more relatable when I found out <laughs> he was getting. I was like, this is a guy I will hang out with. <laughs> like, paying players now is cool. The problem is, like, that's the coolest thing he's ever done, probably. But, but what <laughs> the problem is, is that that wasn't a huge advantage for him at the time. It's not an advantage for him anymore. Right. So now everybody's doing it. So I don't. That that brings him down a peg again. That's another question. It's just a huge risk. Um, I again, like, do I think you know? Escorts and prostitution should be legal and regulated in this country. Yes, I do. I think victim victimless crimes should be. We should be allowed to do whatever we want, and let's let's whatever. Like, I don't think that's that controversial. That people can use drugs or, you know, drink alcohol or, you know, like whatever. Like, do what you want to do in this country. Um, I don't care about any of that stuff. What a man does between is between in his marriage is between him and his wife. I don't care. It's not my business. But, you know, intimidating sexual assault victims in the middle of federal investigations. Not cool. <laughs> it's not a cool <laughs> thing to do. So, I Auburn just own it, just say, "Look, we're valuing football over everything else, and if anything happens, it's on us." Yeah. And that's what you got to do. And like that's it. Your priorities are football, and that's fine. It's the SEC. But just tell us that. Don't talk to us like we're freaking toddlers. Right,
1: you know? right. All right, I hate to do another 180, but I I was I thought For about old. this while you were uh, discussing, you know, your 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 rise, so to speak, in the media world. But, so not sure you,
0: I'd call it a rise.
1: You so. were essentially there from the start of like internet radio to now you got your own business, which is not internet radio, but it's kind of like. It's,
0: Based, I it's, mean, it kind of is. Yeah. Kind
1: of, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I kind of kid, that's when old people are like what do you do that i'm like you've heard of the radio <laughs> right like it's like it's like the internet but it's like yet so what my question to you though is like what what is your thoughts on the on the state of like radio and and and, and entertainment well <laughs> not just just radio but yeah i mean i i feel you because i've been offered jobs here in nashville and i'm like i very much appreciate the consideration but Not interested
0: at all, you know? It's funny. I I was talking to somebody, I'll I'll keep their name out of it, but somebody very, very high on a national radio platform like two years ago during the pandemic. And one of the things that stuck in my head about the conversation, because I've been in radio my whole life, but SiriusXM as a satellite on the college football channel is sort of a hybrid between regular radio and a podcast. And part of the reason I love a podcast, which, you know, YouTube, podcast, digital content, like what you and I do, is like we get to spend time with stuff we get to we can you and i can sit here and talk about like liam cohen's influence on kentucky for like 30 minutes if we wanted to and if you care about that you're going to be with us on that conversation you cannot do that in radio right there's a science to radio where i have to win the quarter hour by keeping you listening for five minutes i've got to move on from subject a to subject b to subject c as fast as possible keep you moving set up audio the tease going into break. Come pay off the T's when we come out of break. There's a science to it all. Create conflict, increase anxiety and enragement, and keep you tuned in whether you agree with me or disagree with me. It is a scientific medium, and you execute it. Like when I do ESPN Radio, I have to execute it that way. On Saturday mornings, it's, we, you know, we can't spend 30 minutes on Liam Cohen. Right. We, we have to talk about the Iron Bowl for two minutes, and then we got to move on. And SiriusXM, we, I was sort of training without knowing – For podcasts and digital space, because it's you don't have to live by those same rules because we've already eliminated anyone who doesn't care about college football. So you tune into that channel because you care about college football. So I could spend ten minutes talking about you know the 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 Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham going to become the head coach at Arizona State. I could spend eight or nine or ten minutes on that on a segment because that audience already wants the college football content. So that's sort of a middle ground because you still have to operate within the stay entertaining, keep people up here, keep people engaged, that kind of stuff. It's not like this where we get to sit down and just see where it goes like two normal human beings. Right. Um, but radio, like when you hear someone on radio and you're pissed off about what they're saying, just know that they've won. <laughs> that's their job is to get you enraged and engaged. And if that if that's what they're like. There's a guy in, in Nashville that gets all kinds of heat for being this hot take guy. And I'm like, that's because that's the nature of the business. The nature of the business is not Howard Stern. Right. The nature of the business is Skip Bayless. Say outlandish shit to get people pissed off on both sides, agreeing and disagreeing. And as long as I can create that situation where I've got two divided groups of people arguing over one topic, I've picked the right topic as a radio host. And that's not what we want to do in our world. At least... I for me, yeah. I wanna sit and talk about Mike Leach for 45 minutes and really understand the man, the stubbornness, the complications, the quirkiness, the insatiable desire to learn and read, and how that led him to the air raid and how the air raid has now influenced literally everything you see on any football field. Mike Leach is the most influential name and mind of our generation. High school, pro, college, full stop. And you cannot have that conversation on radio. You just can't, you have to do it in a space like this or on a podcast or on a YouTube video. Like it's gotta be in a digital world. And the conversation I had to bring it back to that one guy that I was talking to who was extremely successful, president of one of the biggest sports radio companies in, in the country. I was talking to him about this, all this same stuff. And he goes, talent's not the problem. Content's not the problem. The distribution model is fucked. And how many radios do you own? I own one. It's in my truck. That's it. This. Right. <laughs> this is where everybody gets their information. And I still think there's a, there's a, uh, certainly there's thin uh, lack, lack of depth on a lot of apps. You know, Instagram and TikTok is just straight 10 second consumption with no depth at all. But it all, there's also a lot, of, I think there's a big appetite for what you do and for what I do. And, and that is to have really thoughtful, entertaining silly funny serious conversations about the things that we love right and in this case sec football and just enjoy it like like let's let's debate like Marcus Satterfield leaving is that good or bad for South Carolina I don't know (laughs) South Carolina fans aren't sure I certainly don't think they did a good job hiring (laughs) but but like we can debate that and have a really interesting conversation with it that doesn't work anywhere else yeah distribution model of radio is the problem not the people or the content it's the model do you th- and I, w- I? would assume that that you do, but do you think as
1: time goes on, that's just more and more and more of a dead model? Cause so I, twenty, because I don't know how anybody younger than me listens to that. Cause yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and I can't listen to it. It's
0: it's convenience in a car probably, but I don't. Again, I put I plug the phone in and I'm, or I Bluetooth right. the phone in and I'm I'm listening to pods all day. That's, that's all what I everybody do. does, or right. music. So it's interesting. Twenty twenty, and part of the reason I launched my company was these these trends. Twenty twenty was the first year where men 25 to 54 in this country got their sports content more from podcasts than sports talk radio. It's the first time that it, that it, that they, they, they switched. Right. Right. And, and the ad spending of course is off the charts. You got Patreon shows, you got all kinds of stuff. And so it's just, again, I think there's obviously a thirst for in depth, thoughtful, nuanced, funny, creative content, all of which sort of gets sanded down when you do radio. Right, and I just don't like if I need, if I need a press conference. If I'm trying to listen to a press conference for Mike Vrabel for the Titans, that's when I'll probably turn on the radio because I want to listen to the press conference. If I'm driving somewhere during during that time, mm-hmm. um, but like there's not a part of me, and I and I love and respect all the people in Nashville that do radio. Like I know all of them personally; they're all very talented and very good. But the model, like I'd rather talk to those hosts on a podcast <laughs> because then I actually get am going to get time to hear what they have to say, like. You know Joe Rexroad's a friend of mine. He writes eloquently about SEC football, the Titans, the Preds, everything in Nashville. I he's got a four-hour show, and I'm like Joe, I don't listen to your show, dude. I'm sorry. Like I had a beer with him the other night, and I'm like, I don't listen to your show, but I'll sit here and talk to you for an hour about what those t- those same topics are because I'm gonna get better content. I'm gonna get more thoughtful and nuanced content, and I don't mean like off-the-record stuff. I mean like yeah, the same exact conversation about why Landon Hooker wasn't in New York. He and I can have a very different conversation sitting around a table having a beer than he has to have on the radio. And so that's that to me, that's what all the podcast is. It's just me and you sitting here talking about why Hendon Hooker belonged in New York, Stetson Bennett didn't belong anywhere near it. And let's have that conversation in a in a thoughtful and creative and funny way, instead of you turn on your radio and you're like, I can't believe Stetson Bennett is New York. That's just terrible one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eighty nine ten, call in, what do you think? Like it's th- that's Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's have a, more time with it because people care about it. like Tennessee fans care that Hennon Hooker didn't go. I I, should, I would tell you Tennessee fans, relax. <laughs> don't worry about it. It doesn't take away from the memories. I voted him number two on my ballot. Yeah, He's I good. saw that. And you had Bryce Young. You had the correct ballot. I had Bryce Young on th- at three, Hennon Hooker two, Caleb Williams one. But, and I understand ten- I had so many text messages that are just like, I can't believe he didn't get to New York. Da-da-da-da. And I'm like, eventually I just go, who cares? Like, Don't get outraged by it. He's going to finish fifth. If he, if he doesn't play poorly against Georgia and South Carolina, doesn't get hurt, he probably wins the thing. That sucks. You can think about that if you want to. Or you can remember the Alabama game. Yeah. And you can remember 10 wins for the first time since I was in college. Uh, again, I took my daughter. <laughs> I, th- I think there's so much serendipity to this. My six-year-old daughter melted down because I wasn't taking her to the Vanderbilt-Tennessee game. Like, melted down. And if you have kids, you understand, like, the scream from the other room when they're hurt, somebody's hurt, it's a real different scream. There's the the cry, whine, mope, <laughs> scream, where you're just not getting what you want, and you're like, mm, and you're like, you can tell what that is. This was like in between, and I've never heard it before. She was genuinely disappointed in me as a father. She <laughs> she, she was like, because because t- we've taught her go big orange in Tennessee and all this stuff, and like I I don't I don't put that persona out there on my shows very often because I want to stay objective as possible. That's just my preference. Yeah. And she and it was raining that night. It was kind of cold in Nashville. And I'm like, but, you know, they'll be here in two years. We'll take her to Neyland next year. But she's like, like falls on the ground and like into my arms, like climbs on top of me and is like just sobbing into my chest. <laughs> and and I look at my wife and my wife's like, her eyebrows grow up and go, because like the game had just kicked off and we were watching it at home. And so we, I, I was like, all right, let's go, honey. We get in the truck. We drive over to West End. We find a free parking spot. I get two free tickets. We walk in. <laughs> we sit on the 30-yard line. She's standing in the rain for two and a half quarters, watching big play after big play after big play. She looks around one time, and she goes, Dad, there's a lot of orange here. And I was like, welcome to Vanderbilt football, honey. And <laughs> but, like, that, that, the fact that I got to take my daughter to her first ever SEC football game, was, and it happened to also be the first time Tennessee had won 10 games since I was in college in 2003, it just felt so, like, holistic and, like, yeah. the way it was supposed to be. And um, obviously I've, I'm raising a monster <laughs> as, <laughs> as well. She's been indoctrinated into Nashville music and SEC football, so maybe I'm doing my job after all.
1: Yeah, sounds like the perfect dad right there. <laughs> uh, but going back to, you know, the business model and where things are, the the, the other thing that I really like about it, and uh, don't feel – don't you don't have to share anything you don't want to. Sure. But – Myself, I've been laid off by. Oh, I've been fired twice. Fox Sports, and and yeah. the whole time I was at Saturday Night South, there was threat of getting laid off. When I launched my podcast, they threatened to fire me. When I got more reviews than theirs, they threatened to fire me. <laughs> when I was getting these big time interviews, so you were doing they your job. To fire and me to fire you. on and on and on, and I think there's something to be said for that as well. Where, you know, I I you you do have a uh, like I said a, a lengthy history, so you know people. Maybe it's a little different, but there, I think there's people listening right now that are like, "Man, I'd love to start a podcast." There's literally nothing stopping them, and the barrier is is incredibly low to start it. And I think that is is more powerful. Like, if I wanted to be a Nashville radio host, that's that's something you got to work toward, and there's 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 barriers to get you there. There's no barriers. Buy a damn camera. Buy this equipment. Yeah. It's not that yeah. expensive. Throw it up on the internet and if it's good, people will find it and they'll tune in. I th- I just think that's outstanding.
0: Yeah, what year um I'd be curious cuz we launched so I work at, I still work at Athlon Sports. We've done a cover the cover two podcast which is all national excuse me college football. And we started that in 2014. And I feel like that was pretty early for sort of like podcasting in general. Uh-huh. Um and and so I I had experience in that area. I was fired by I was fired by Rivals for no reasons at all. Not, not I can I could rattle them off and we can go through the history. But uh I was I, I was so oh seven I moved from Rivals to Athlon, uh less than a month. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Spent forty five minutes upset with it, had a beer with my dad, and he's like, You don't have to get up at four o'clock tomorrow morning. I was like, Oh, that's great. <laughs> had two more beers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly, because I, I learned from it. I learned some, I had, I made some mistakes, you know, I figured that out, I corrected those things, got into Athlon, learned the print business, learned the editing business, the writing business, got so much experience. And technically I'm still working there now, like 17 years later, yeah. 15 years later. Um, again, as a kind of like a, I'm not a full-time employee, but I still work there. Um, and then my, my show locally in Nashville was canceled like at the start of the pandemic, basically not because of the pandemic, but that they just were going to make a change. And I was unemployed. I I was still working at Athlon and Sirius and ESPN. So I had my four jobs. So only one of them was gone, (laughs) but my, my, I had a three and a one-year-old at the time, the tornado hits Nashville closes my kid's daycare. We needed someone to be home with the kids. And I happened to be home. My wife was like, take some time off. You need to recharge. You've been working for a company you didn't really like working for for years and so I ha- I happen to be taking again serendipity here taking time off, being a father taking care of my kids, but then the pandemic hits. I was on the bus going to the Tennessee Alabama game at Bridgestone Arena in the SEC tournament when we get word that everything is shutting down. I was on the air that the entire night that whole week on Sirius, trying to talk about like Rudy Gobert spreading COVID and like Tom Hanks getting COVID and the NHL is canceled and college basketball tournament's not going to have fans. And then by Friday everything is done and. I lost every I lost seventy five eighty percent of my revenue. Like everything I worked for fifteen years to build was gone. Uh, my full my full time morning show was gone. ESPN Radio canceled every basically said anybody who's part time is done. Sirius XM wasn't doing live shows anymore either. Like just sports stopped. So all my stuff stopped, and that's when I started hatching the, the idea of, all right, well if I want Nashville sports talk to be better, why don't I do something about it? <laughs> Yeah. And then after like 3 or 4 months of thinking it all through and planning and having conversations with people that are know more about this stuff than I do and I'd already kind of had experience with the podcast I, th- I thought, you know, like Nashville people deserve better. Let's give them the best Preds show. Let's give them the best Nashville SC show. Let's give them the best Titans show. Let's get, let's I let's pinpoint a- and build these communities of people that really care about this stuff and of course I was going to do an SEC show. Like of course you know this as well as anybody like it's our stuff like the sec is my baby like it is yours and while I do this other stuff uh the sec is always going to be my favorite thing in the world in sports and so of course I was going to launch an sec show uh and so it the amount of time and work it's insane but like when when we get down to sit down and do the content like this there's no more fun it's that's the most fun part of my entire career is getting now to sit down with somebody I've known for ten years and talk about, you know, LSU's offense, yeah, for whatever twenty minutes, <laughs> and like that's the most fun I have ever, and because that's kind of like what Sirius used to be, and so for me it's now SEC and local, and then the college football uh, podcast for for Athlon, and uh, I think I'm curious to see what big companies do with people like us, you know, oh yeah, if they, if they wanna if they're gonna start gobbling up. Because that, that's what happens, right? An industry changes, the model changes, and then the big guys change with it and gobble everything up and then kind of make it their own. You're seeing this with a lot of companies that are launching, they've launched podcast networks. Mm-hmm. And I sort of just did the same thing, but locally in Nashville. But again, I've I've kept it to where the, the, the hosts make the money. There's Nashville music on there. It's all original Nashville for Nashville by Nashville and the SEC show, of course. So, uh, which is, again, a little bit more regional. But uh, I think it's... I don't know why anyone would get their content another way, <laughs> right? I really don't. Like, if I'm a diehard SEC fan, I'm listening to your show. I'm listening to my show. I, you know, sure, you might pop on Fine Bomb, I guess, if you want to be entertained. But like, I love Fine Bomb. But like, you know, as and and Paul can do the things that we do when he wants to. But again, he's got to play to sort of a different type of science, which is, I've built this expectation that people are going to listen to callers scream at each other, right? Which is hilarious and entertaining, but it's not the same as. All right. Let's look at yards per play pre Liam Cohen at Kentucky and yards per play under Scarangelo last year, and look at the yards per play under Liam Cohen. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and go. All right. It's clear that Kentucky's offense goes like this. <laughs> and twenty twenty one was the year that he was there, and that's why he's back. And so let's have that conversation. And, yeah. And and while Paul can do that eloquently and brilliantly, he he can't be too far away from people yelling at each other about Auburn and Alabama. You know. So it's there's a place for all of it, but I mean, I just believe in our. I believe in our stuff, not you and me personally, but our model. And if I'm an S, if I'm a fan of anything in the world, uh, bourbon. <laughs> you know, again, there's probably a bourbon podcast for you. There's probably a bourbon community mm-hmm. that cares about it as much as you do. That wants to talk about it in a smart, funny, entertaining way. It's not governed by all the FCC stuff. Right. But just cussing, like just being able to say shit is so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Than Doing radio where I have to like be careful Like I, I remember saying something And this is funny Now I'm just I know you have me in here to ramble I guess But So Jawan Jennings gets busted Smoking weed uh, On on campus somewhere I can't remember I could use Janoris Jenkins That would be an easy one He's busted like 56 <laughs> times But Jawan Jennings is busted And I was wor- This is a true story I was working locally in, in Nashville at a local station And I went on the air and I said I, I don't care That Jawan Jennings smoked weed I don't care And I didn't say anything else about it. I could say that, like, medical evidence shows you that it's significantly better for you than drinking alcohol. Like, I could go down this list if you'd like me to. The science is in on weed, it's not bad for you. (laughs) And I mean, everything in moderation. But I I say on the air very casually, I'm like, look, I don't care that Juwan Jennings wants to smoke a little weed in college. Next thing you're going to tell me that kids in college have premarital sex, too. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Like, they're going to drink underage, they're going to smoke weed, they're going to do this stuff. Let's teach them how to be responsible and make the right decisions and put themselves in the right situations to do that stuff, because they're going to do it either way. Right. And so on the air, I'm saying, like, just sit at your apartment, dude. Like, why are you driving around with a bag of weed in your car? Like, what are you doing? Just sit at your apartment, smoke your bowl, and have a good time. And, like, no one's ever gotten a bar fight stoned either, by the way. It's <laughs> <That's> never happened. <laughs> so, like, I kind of joke about it and just, I'm like, Juwan, what are you doing? Sit. We got people calling the station. And I got in trouble from a boss saying – like you can't talk like that on the air. I'm like, what do you mean? All I did was say college kids smoke weed. And you can't and he's like, "Well, it's a gateway drug." I'm like, "No, that's scientifically <laughs> I'm like, it's scientifically disproven. It's not a gateway drug." Like and so I'm like I'm like all the arguments that these call these these two or three people in Nashville were so upset with me for saying that they call my boss and it just it just makes the conversation so dumb. Right. And my boss was fine. Like she was fine. It wasn't her fault. But like they're like, you can't say that you don't care if he smokes weed. I'm like, why? I don't care. Here's the medical science to back up why I don't care. Like, and and it's just that kind of stuff. The corporate overlords and the suits and the FCC and all that garbage. That just it can. Now we're not talking SEC football, but Run, it, like it confines it confines your ability to talk about the stuff you love. And right. why why put yourself into that? Into that box when you can just sit here like this, <laughs> right? And th- th- that's
1: to your point. I mean, that's what that's why I started this show. Can say literally anything I want. I can have anyone. And you I do, <laughs> yeah. And I don't have no any influence on what I can and cannot say. I don't have any influence on who I have on the show.
0: Uh, it's funny you say that because that's kind of part of why I launched my company. It's like I don't want someone telling me what I can and can't say anymore. Right. I'm tired of that.
1: Only one time have I had and and I didn't even have him on the show but someone reached out to be on the show I didn't know who they were but I knew it would it would generate some buzz and it was uh some country music guy you you would probably know him better than I I don't listen to country but I think his name was like Justin Moore or okay. big big Arkansas fan okay and and I was like I looked him up I was like he's got millions of followers I was like fuck Did yeah you have this guy on <laughs> and then he and then he ghosted me and that was a lesson – to me, I felt like that was karma. Like,
0: or Maybe it wasn't – I mean, who knows what happened. Like, you never know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I literally don't know. But he said he was a big fan. He said he wanted to go on the show. I had no idea who he was. I was like, he likes Arkansas. He's got a million followers. I'll have him on. <laughs> and then he goes to me. So that told me, just don't do not do that. Because that, to me, that's, that's getting away from why I started the show, why I want the show. Oh, you're talking
0: about, like, why you thought
1: – you the only reason I, I wanted to have him on because he had a following. And you thought you I didn't know. I don't know right. who he is. I still don't right. know who he is. But I think he's a huge He's he was been on Game Day and all this shit. But so I'm sure it would have been a great. Conversation, but right, right? Right, It's not the reason to have someone on because they right. propel your show. Right. You have people on like you because I want to talk to you because I respect you. And, and go you on. Do, you do great work. <laughs> and hey, we're here in Nashville. You could come in. Yeah. And yeah. This is fantastic. I, I think you're. Are you pressed for time? You I don't know. Get going? We,
0: we, uh, yeah, I probably need to go. Uh, okay. But before I, you go, can I was, was going to you... say real, real fast about just music in general. Like one of the things I love about the SEC and music in Nashville does a lot of this, brings it all together because the alumni groups are here from all over the SEC and right. there's so much music here. I do think there is something uh, because the South is complicated. It's a, it's a complicated history, with complicated stories, tragic stories, and I think what makes SEC football so great, along with Southern music, is sort of how we can kind of like it, it unifies people pretty quickly. And if you you can. You can disagree with somebody on so many different things, but if you're going to sit there and listen to Jason Isbell play guitar or watch Alabama football or, you know, we're going to listen to the Allman Brothers or we're going to, you know, like you could tell those stories. And we do that a lot on our show where we have musicians on to talk about, like, again, like the Wild Feathers are a perfect example. They're the theme song for the SEC show that we do, French Element podcast. Make sure you check that out everywhere you get your shows. Um, And the drummer's a huge Georgia fan. So we, we 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 I've known him for years, and I'm like, why don't you have you have you ever watched a Georgia game on stage? And he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> he's like, I got the iPad down there, I got the iPad down there on Saturday nights watching Georgia games while I'm trying to keep up with the song, you know, and 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 so that's the fun. That's that's what the point of this model is so fringe element podcast everywhere you get your sec podcast so yeah that's how i wanted
1: that's how i wanted you to close tell the audience you just mentioned fringe element it, yeah. i listen to every episode can you tell the audience all the rest social media and, and all yeah, that rest uh, of your work
0: at, at braden golf for me pretty simple uh at 440 sports which is my local company here in nashville um, and then fringe element podcast is really the only one that sec fans will care about they'll probably like the cover too as well we do for athlon sports but the one i own one where I get to say whatever I want to say and I don't have to worry about anything is Fringe <laughs> Element Podcast. So um, it's on the YouTube page as well, 440 Sports. So 440 Sports on Twitter. Um, well, who knows where the future goes with it, but it's fun right now and it's profitable and we're having fun and we get to do whatever we want. So um, yeah. yeah, check it out for sure. Thank you for having me, man. I wish we could... Come in and do this anytime.
1: So, and it heavily features our buddy Stephen Lasson, who's on the yeah. show weekly. So, if you can't get yeah. enough of Stephen Lasson,
0: head on over to Fringe <laughs> Element. You know what? Yeah, he's also my co-host <laughs> on the cover too. So, like, just if you want as much Stephen Lasson as you can get, you listen to the two of us here. So.
1: <laughs> All right, so hey, that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Just want to thank Braden Gall once again for taking the time, coming in person, gave him some damn fine whiskey for doing it, but. <laughs> That was my way of saying thanks in person. But I hope you guys appreciated that. Going to try to start do more of those now that uh, the offseason is right around the corner. So, hey, anytime I spot one of our SEC brethren coming to Nashville, I'm going to hit them up, try to get them in person. I love doing those. It's always a good time. And I think that was a great, great interview. And what a way to start the week of shows here. We've got a bowl game at the tail end of the week. missouri playing in their bowl game we got all kinds of action coming so stay with us here cousin shane will be back before you know it i'll bring him back on this show just want to thank each and every one of you for continuing to check us out and we'll catch you on the next one